Welcome to Chapter 3 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Michael Martz, CIO at Meadville Medical Center. In this segment, Martz talks about the constant learning curve for CIOs, the importance of disaster preparedness, and how he's working to empower his staff and keep them engaged. You've been a CIO there since 2011? Correct. Okay. I've been here for three okay. years. Okay, so how did you how did you go from Seattle to Pennsylvania? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm originally a, a native of the Ohio area, and, okay. and uh, my wife and I had had decided to try the West Coast after after being born and raised Midwesterners, and um, thoroughly loved our, the two years that we were out in that area. It's it's just a spectacular area to live in. But we also quickly realized we were too far away from our our parents and our college aged kids that were still back in the Ohio area. So uh, about a year into it, we, we realized we need to start planning our way back east. And uh, and that was what brought us back to the area. Okay. It was probably more of a transition, I would imagine, going to Seattle than, than coming back to very closer much so. to the Ohio area. <laughs> yeah. Very much so. We loved it out there, but it definitely was different. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm sure. Now, as far as uh, you know, taking on the CIO role, is that something where you where you had any hesitations, or was it uh, something that you definitely wanted to do? Oh no, no, definitely something I wanted to do. This is not my first CIO role. Um, before I got into healthcare, I, I was uh, CIO for a couple of different organizations. This is my first healthcare CIO position, however, okay. and and not being a long termer in in healthcare, I've only been in healthcare for five years. Uh, I'm constantly on a learning curve. Uh, one thing that I've learned is compared to every other industry that I've worked in, healthcare is so much more complex uh, and more diverse that you you really need to constantly remind yourself that you're a student and be quiet and listen to everybody else because you will learn so much more about uh, how things really work and, and uh, what's different from your past experience. It, it has helped me become a lot more effective, I think. Now, uh, having that background in uh, manufacturing and government, um, I'm sure that there are some, definitely some things that you were able to take from that experience and, and apply uh, in this role. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, health, I, I think I can say pretty confidently that, that healthcare tends to be uh, maybe 10 years behind the technology curve in a lot of ways. And, yeah. and so there, there are a lot of things that uh, are new for us now that that feel someone old um the the entire effort that we're going through right now to get everybody linked up through health information exchanges and start to share very standardized data are things that that other industries like uh automotive and grocery and, and a lot of manufacturing did you know 10 20 even 30 years ago in some cases so um, some of this feels very familiar to me and, and i'm kind of enjoying watching the maturing of, of our industry as we work through it. Um, uh, we've, we've had a very strong focus on virtualization, for example. Um, our data centers are oh, probably 95% virtualized, and we are um, eagerly getting Citrix out and, and moving to um, uh, VMware virtual desktops to, to get a more comprehensive, more capable platform for our desktops. Uh, we're looking forward to getting most of the PCs out of the organization and have most of the organization just working through the through the VMware uh, virtual desktops instead. Uh, there's a lot of 
streamlining of our systems and, and redundancy that we're building into our systems to try and make them as bulletproof as possible. We're very blessed here at Mayville to, to actually have two campuses in town that are about a mile apart with, with uh, dual data centers in each and dark fiber between them. So we are aggressively setting up uh, most of our systems to, to run fully redundant and where we can actually running active-active across both data centers so that if we have an outage in one, even lose an entire data center, get as close to people not noticing as possible. So, so we're working very hard on that. And uh, uh, we still have a couple of major applications uh, to go. Meditech is one of them, but, but Meditech actually is working very aggressively with us to put out a whole new uh, platform, and they still have a couple of things like uh, full support of Windows clustering to deliver. That will make it so that we truly could lose a data center and all of our operations would instantaneously be running off of the other data center with no loss of data and no user even noticing except things might be going a little bit slower. Right. Okay. Have you ever been involved in any kind of like ma major outage or downtime where Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in fact, that that was part of what what drove that that mission for us is probably nine months after I got here. Um, the stupidest of things we 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 lost our main data center, uh, lost all power to it, and the reason we lost power is because we were doing a generator test, which is a great thing to do. And our UPS, which had just been checked out and given a clean bill of health the month before, failed. And it failed because one battery went bad. Oh, wow. uh, that should never happen. So it taught us to do a number of things. Um, and actually, one, one thing I should point out, most of our systems besides our Meditech system were already running um, across both data centers. We, we had uh, have a, a uh, left-hand stand from Hewlett-Packard that's fully virtualized across the two data centers, and most of our systems, uh, other than Meditech, run on Microsoft servers that are virtualized and clustered across the two. So just about all of our systems uh, either never went down, or if they did go down, they restarted themselves at the other data center in a minute or two, and in many cases, people never even noticed that it happened. The one exception was Meditech because it couldn't do that. And um, for multiple reasons, not Meditech's fault, it was down for eight hours. Now, in the past, when you know the, the EMRs were really more about the back end of hospitals and the, the clinical floors were still running on paper records, they could survive an outage like that because they had their paper, they had their data, they could continue to care for the patients pretty adequately. But as we move to fully electronic records and get the paper folders out, which will be happening this fall, we can't afford those kind of outages anymore. That, that instantly becomes critical clinical care, major problems. Yeah. So we have to have systems that, that um, don't go down, and if they do go down, can be restarted extremely quickly. Uh, we spent a lot of time talking with, with Meditech about how can we make our new system that we're putting in capable of doing that. And they worked very eagerly with us and our, and our uh, hardware integration partner to come up with a, a design that would allow that. And uh, we're working through the, the implementation of that now. There's still some, some things to be delivered, like the, the full support of clustering. But uh, we are we are very close now. In fact, we'll be we'll be doing a failover test of the new systems in a couple of weeks, and I'm expecting to see 
us be able to fail over to the to the second data center, uh, hopefully in less than an hour with zero loss of data. And uh, once we get a couple more pieces of technology delivered, we should be able to make that happen in minutes or even seconds, uh, or perhaps the systems never go down. Yeah, that's there's nothing that's going to uh, teach quite as much sometimes as, as going through what you did. And, you know. <laughs> and for the most absurd absurd reasons, like yeah. one bad battery during a generator test. Just the smallest thing. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. But obviously uh, you learn from it, so that's good. <laughs> we do. Yeah, we, we added a second string of batteries to our UPS, so one battery can't take us down again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so... The last thing I wanted to just talk a little bit about was was your your leadership style. Um, now you you talked before about learning by listening, and is that something that that's uh, kind of you know one of your drivers? Like just just always keeping yes. an ear open. Yes, yes. I I'm extraordinarily lucky to have inherited a, a really strong team here, um, but it it's allowed me to to leverage my normal leadership style, which is not at all directing people. Um, uh, it's, it's figuring out how to serve them, frankly, figuring out what, what it is they need to be successful and, and making sure that they have it, um, making sure you've got their back and not let them get unfairly abused, which can happen when something goes wrong and uh, you know clinicians start to threaten that we're going to kill babies if we don't get the system back up. Right. Um, it's, it's being credible. Uh, it's it's important that you eat your own dog food. So, for for example, with the, with the virtual desktop system, a lot of people are wary about giving up the real PC for a virtual one. So I'm beta tester number one for it. Uh, I've been running on our virtual desktop now for about four months. And two months ago, I had our team come remove my PC, and I have not had a PC here for the last two. And I couldn't be happier. I, I wouldn't want the PC back. Uh, because the system has refined and developed to the point that, that I think it's better. Uh, but it's important that we do that, not just for our own staff, but, but for our users as, as well. We need to be able to deliver that kind of credibility. Um, right. I, I'm a very coaching kind of, kind of manager. Uh, I, I like to empower people to make their own decisions, and I want them to, to come talk to me through their decision-making process so I can test it and and give them other things to think about, but but I really like to empower people to to be confident to to try new things and to take risks. I expect failure now and then. If we've got if we have instances where we're never failing, I believe we're not trying hard enough. So we need to have right. the kind of environment that allows that and encourages it safely. But but we need to be willing to take those risks. Um, yeah. Encouraging ideas is, is probably the other thing. It's, it's very common, and it almost seems more so in healthcare than other industries, and I'm not sure why yet, but it, it seems common for people not to challenge uh, authority. Um, and, and I really want our staff to feel comfortable to bring up new ideas and to openly discuss and challenge and debate uh, ideas of others. Um, some people are more comfortable with that than others. Uh, sometimes I even have to bait them and throw out a totally stupid idea and, and wait until they finally get at the gunshot to, to tell me it's dumb just to get them comfortable doing that. Right. But, but they need to feel comfortable that they can do that because I, I know absolutely I am not the smartest guy around. In fact, I've told our infrastructure team that if they ever let me touch any of the boxes, 
they should be fired because they know I'm not competent. Um, so they, they need to feel comfortable that, that I'm not trying to out-tech them or show them up, that I'm there to encourage them and have them shine for us. Right. And when you're, when you're surrounded by uh, yes people, you're not going to get things done. You're not going to no. get new ideas. And <laughs> No, no, not at all. Not at all. And I, th- I think our organization has really seen um, seen the value of that. Uh, we've, we've really got our, our IT team to the point here that our organization has a lot of credibility and trust in us. There, there have been a number of instances where um, people have come to us with emergency needs, as always happens to IT. And we've been able to respond instantly and meet it. And there have been other times that they've come to us with urgent, urgent needs, and we've been able to say, you know, I'm sorry, that's going to have to wait. Uh, but because they've seen us be responsive in the past, we have the, the credibility that, that when we say no, they understand that it's not because we like to say no. It's because we've really thought about it, and, and we just can't get there yet. Right. Yeah, that's important, very important. Okay. Well, I think that that covers everything I wanted to ask. So, unless there's anything you wanted to add, and I know we've we've gone through a lot, so I I really appreciate your time. Absolutely, I, I appreciate being asked. Thank you. Sure, and uh, I would definitely like to check back with you down the road, see how everything's going. Maybe after the whole beta site thing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Absolutely. Great. Well, thanks so much, and um, best of luck to you. Thank you. Goodbye. Okay. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.